Well, today begins the second most important chapter in the life of our church. The first was the launch of our church 13 years ago. And now, today, we have another launch. We launch our grace groups. Our intentional life-on-life, iron sharpens iron, growing together by God's grace, discipleship groups. From this day forward, we will be a church of disciples who make disciples. This is our third Sunday in a row in which we are looking at this topic of discipleship. Today and all of next week, you will have a chance to sign up for one of our grace groups. In fact, you could do it right now on your uh, smartphone. Today is the day where you can say yes to being a disciple who makes disciples. The train is in the station, and you are being asked to get on board. So the question is, will you get on board? In order to say yes, there are three things that must be true about you. We covered the first one of them in our first sermon, and that is faithfulness. Will you be faithful to heed the call of Jesus, not just to believe in him, but be one who he is calling you to be, to be a disciple who will in turn make disciples. The second characteristic that you will need is what we covered last week, which in this is availability. You must count the cost of discipleship and come to understand that it's entirely worth it and therefore make yourself available. So you must be faithful. You must be available. And lastly, we will cover the final aspect, and that is teachable. For many people, this is their big hang-up. They are not teachable. A teachable person is characterized by the sense that, that God still has much work to do in them. And so they welcome the biblical insight and perspectives and and teaching uh, and oversight of other Christians. So are you teachable? Do you know that you need discipleship? And will you be teachable in your grace groups? The passage that we're looking at this morning proves to us the importance of life-on-life gospel community. And not just the importance, but its absolute necessity. Our passage comes from chapter 2 of the book of Acts. And in chapter 1, Jesus uh, ascends into heaven. Before he does, he says, go um, and be my witnesses. And and then in chapter 2, Peter is a witness. He stands up in front of thousands of people, and he preaches the very first Christian sermon. And 3,000 people came to believe that day. The church grew from 120 to 3,000. And when people came to believe in Christ, what did they do? Did they go home and hide? Did they become what we've known as a Lone Ranger Christians? No, they met in discipleship groups. They wanted to be taught. They were teachable. And when you're teachable, watch out. With teachability comes gospel transformation and great joy. Our text is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God, if we want to know his will, if we want to know his way, we must know his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that this word um, of the apostles' teaching has been inscripturated. It's been recorded and faithfully it has come to us this morning. And in this scene, in this story, we see how you are at work, Jesus, in your church, by your spirit, and this work of intimate um, life-on-life discipleship that matures your people so that they may become disciples who make disciples. We pray in this hour that we would be teachable, that by your spirit, our, 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 any sort of kickback that we may have towards the importance of discipleship would be unearthed and laid aside, that we would long for this work in our lives. Amen. Well, many of you are familiar with the amazingly successful wide receiver with the New England Patriots, uh, Julian Edelman. He, since he was drafted in 2009, Edelman has been a star on perhaps the best uh, football team in the NFL. Um, and I'm not saying I like the Patriots, just kind of stating the facts. Edelman is a gritty, tough, wide receiver. But in addition to this, Julian Edelman is teachable. What do I mean? Well, if Julian Edelman wasn't teachable, chances are we wouldn't even know his name. See, Edelman wasn't a wide receiver until he signed with the Patriots. All his life, he was a quarterback. But the Patriots didn't draft him to play quarterback. Instead, they said, we want you to return punts and be a receiver. Now, an unteachable football player would have said, no way, coach, I'm the quarterback. But Edelman was teachable, and because he was teachable, blessings came into his life, including multiple Super Bowl championships. So the question for you this morning is this, are you teachable? You know, most people think they're teachable. It's sort of like asking someone if they think they're kind They might not actually be a kind person, but they can certainly remember at least a time in which they acted kindly, and so they assume they are kind. Scripture repeatedly warns about not being teachable. Proverbs 15.31 states, The ear that listens to life-given reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. And then there's the blunt truth of Proverbs 12.1 which reads, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. If you are unteachable as a follower of Christ, then so much is on the line. Your very spiritual health and happiness are bound up in your teachability. See, the more teachable you are, the more you will embrace the involvement of others in your life. And the more you allow others to get to know you deeply and challenge you and encourage you, and the more you will do that for others. In our passage today, we see Christians who are involved in life-on-life intimate discipleship groups, 
3,000 baby Christians in one day. And what was God's plan for them? Congratulate them and say, here's your ticket to heaven, and then send them home alone? No, Jesus told his disciples that they were going to make disciples, not believers. Those believers were immediately discipled by the disciples in various people's homes. Their attitude was one of feed us, teach us, show us. They were teachable, and the results were astounding. We see there that awe was upon every soul, a glad and generous hearts full of praise to God. And the Lord added daily to the number those who were being saved. Now, Grace Church, it would be foolish of me to say, all right, we're going back there. Um, But it is a wise thing for us to say we can bring this reality of life on life, Holy Spirit-filled discipleship into the present. That commitment to living together in tight-knit discipleship groups in which all that took place then by God's grace and work of the Holy Spirit may now take place in Grace Church today. And so, Grace Church, we must embrace this discipleship community. Discipleship community where you are known by a small, committed group of fellow disciples who are open and excited to having the Holy Spirit at work in their midst. Discipleship community where you encourage and challenge and hold each other accountable. Understand, this is God's plan for his people As we look at embracing God's plan for discipleship community, we're going to divide our time into the five aspects of discipleship community that we see in our passage. And if you're taking notes, they are allegiance, amazement, attachment, adoration, and advancement. First, allegiance. Luke describes the allegiance of this second generation of disciples in verse verse 42, where we read, and they devoted themselves. The verb tense here, the Greek verb, has a sense of continuing action. It's a continuing allegiance. Their allegiance is found in uh, four areas. First, the apostles' teaching. We read, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, quite likely what took place was the the disciples split up. And they said, I'll take this community, I'll go to this house, you go to that house. And they split up in Jerusalem, and they taught these infant Christians. And since the apostles had yet to write the New Testament, what would the apostles' teaching consist of? Well, certainly they opened up their Bible, the Old Testament scriptures, and showed to each of these new infant Christian disciples just how Jesus fit in to all of those wonderful Old Testament prophecies. But they would also have taught these infant Christians what Jesus had taught them. Remember, Jesus said, make my disciples and teach them what I have taught you. Uh, and they would also bear witness to what? Jesus' resurrection. He really rose from the dead. We saw him, and he's ascended into heaven. We saw him do that. And they would, of course, share with these infant Christians that they're called to be disciples who make disciples as well. There was so much to learn. Later, Peter would write these words in his first letter. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Peter knows that it's the pure spiritual milk of the word of God that grows up Christians. 
our discipleship groups here at Grace Church will be will cover four phases of spiritual life. Spiritual infants, spiritual children, spiritual young adults, and spiritual parents. And at the center of our grace groups together, there will be a devotion to the Word of God. You know, that second generation of disciples also devoted themselves to what we read is the fellowship. Now, this word fellowship has sadly come to mean that brief time of cookies and coffees out in the foyer right after a worship service. But the Greek word here, koinonia, doesn't mean coffee and cookie time. Uh, The root word means commonness or commonality. Fellowship in the biblical sense denotes a deep level of sharing. We see how they're sharing goods, but they're also sharing life together, life on life. And there is a costly depth to this type of relationship. It's true, right? Going this deep is costly. You having to make your soul available to other Christians is costly. You run the danger of being known really deeply. But then again, this is the level at which the Holy Spirit operates in our lives. And this must be where the Holy Spirit goes with us if God is to have his way in us. This work of God in small group discipleship is a deep, transforming work. When we are unteachable as Christians, we we simply want to sip coffee and nibble at cookies while we put a smile on the surface. But when the Holy Spirit causes us to be truly teachable, he goes deep under the surface. Rob Gallaty makes an astute observation in his book on discipleship. Listen closely. He writes, When God determines the maturity of a church, he doesn't count the Christians, he weighs them. And the weight is measured by how deeply his teaching has penetrated into a person's life. Not head. There's a lot of Christians who know a lot of things, but is it pressed into your life? Uh, This is where discipleship is important, where the things we study get pressed into our lives. And understand this as well. God is not content to count the number of Christians who call Grace Church home. He is weighing us. And the scary reality is that we are woefully underweight. As the African proverb states, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. My friends, we must devote ourselves to the fellowship. God calls us to go far together with him. God calls us to go deep together with him. This was God's plan then, and it remains God's plan now. These first disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and next, their allegiance was to the breaking of bread. Now, the Greek text has the definite article, the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread here refers to what? It's the Lord's Supper. It was just some 50 days earlier in the upper room at the Last Supper that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper as a perpetual sacrament until the day he returns in glory. My friends, Christ is present in this sacrament, not physically like the Roman Catholics insist, but spiritually present with us. And this breaking of the bread that we do each week here at Grace Church points us to the cross. 
to Christ being the bread of life, who gave his life for our sakes, and we must feed on him. And the cup points to the blood of Christ, that Jesus shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. Those early disciples devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, and so too we. Lastly, their allegiance was to prayer. Now, we read they devoted themselves to the prayers. Once again, there's a definite article there in the Greek, which suggests this isn't like off-the-cuff prayers, like, hey, would you mind coming here and praying with me? Luke is likely referring to the set times each day at the temple. At that time, the all-Jewish Christian church would gather in the temple during the set daily times of prayer, and they would gather there together. They would go to the prayers, at least until they got kicked out of the temple. This most important work of the church is often the most neglected, James, the brother of Jesus, writes, You do not have because you do not ask. The apostles no doubt told this second generation of disciples about Jesus' teaching on prayer, about how they have a heavenly Father who loves them, and he enjoys giving his children answers to their prayers. Now, I don't know a single Christian who doesn't admit They would like to grow in this discipline of prayer. And so we make resolutions to pray more and more, and yet we often, what, we just falter. And so this is where being in a a fellowship with other disciples actually changes your prayer life. Being a part of a grace group, you will become more devoted to prayer. And you will experience answered prayers. Prayers that you never would have never would have taken place in the first place if you were not unteachable and joined a grace group. If you are teachable, then your brothers or sisters in your grace group, they're going to encourage you to pray. They're going to pray for you and pray with you. And you're going to have prayers answered that otherwise never would have been asked or answered because of your involvement in a grace group. Now, when you live in allegiance to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers, watch out. Get ready for the second aspect of God's pattern for discipleship, and that is amazement. Look at verse 43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Understand this biblical truth. Where the Spirit of God is at work, In the deep fellowship of God's people, awe is the result. Day in and day out, this second generation of disciples lived in a state of awe and wonder as they saw day in and day out the stark reality of God in healing and in deliverances and in the changed lives of people being added to their number day by day. Earlier this week, I was meditating on this very last part of this passage where we read, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And it caused me just to stop and and pause and pray for one man in particular who was on my list of people to pray for, really because it was on somebody else's list of people to pray for who were in need of salvation. And so I texted one of our elders, Rob Mamoni, and asking him about this man. How is he? And 
Rob immediately just called me back on the phone. He said, Mark, Bill, Bill's not his name, but Bill just gave his life to Christ. And I am shaken and I am awestruck. Rob was physically and emotionally like those Christians we were reading about. Awestruck, humbled, trembling at the might and glory of God who would save such a man as Bill. And I said, Rob, this this shouldn't be a rare occurrence here at Grace Church. This awe uh, at at God working in us and bearing fruit in our midst should be an ongoing reality. And understand this. I believe that with with, with kicking off of our grace group, that this will become more and more of a reality here at Grace Church as our people mature and grow in Christ's likeness. And, and as we become joyful fishers of men and women. In addition to the allegiance and amazement, we have the attachment. The attachment that these first disciples had is depicted in verses 44 and 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. A couple of points. First, all who believed were together. Understand this, not a single Christian was left out. All who believed were together. Sadly, Phil Riken's words are true. Churches become a place we'd rather, a place we go rather than a community to which we belong. If you're a Christian who has a loose attachment to the church, you are living contrary to God's intention for you. And and so my hope is that you're teachable to this and that you would repent of your faithlessness or arrogance or selfishness or self-pity or whatever it may be. All who believed were together. And understand this, if you're not teachable in this, then not only will you miss out, you might be okay with that. In, my, in your mind, maybe you're calculating that's not a big deal. But you, you will miss out on countless joys and blessings, but so too, Grace Church, we will miss out too. Perhaps you're saying, what? How is that possible? Well, understand this. If you are a Christian, then God has spiritual gifts that he's given to you that are unique to you. You might not know what they are just yet. Or you might discount them. This is where discipleship is helpful. You will understand your spiritual gifts that God has given you. And he's given you these gifts. Why? For your own private enjoyment? No. For the benefit of building up his body, the church. And so if you think that detachment from the body has only one victim, you, then you're wrong. We all suffer by your absence. Second, their attachment was manifested in how they held all things in common. This is the same Greek root word again that was there for the word fellowship. Here it's the noun, it's koina. Here it simply means in common. As they saw each other's needs, they met them. We read elsewhere that Barnabas sold a property that he had and laid it at his disciples' feet. Others sold their belongings to give to any who had need. Now, some people will say, see, this is promoting communism, but that's not true. See, if everyone had sold everything and all of it and gave it to the communal good, then we would read in verse, we wouldn't read in verse 46 that they broke bread in their homes. 
This is not communism, but don't discount it nonetheless. This is love abounding in gospel community. These early church members felt a sense of responsibility towards one another. They, they were attached to each other deeply. And see, this is a work of the Holy Spirit as the gospel is getting pressed deeper and deeper into a church. That's the attachment. After the attachment, we, we see the adoration in verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. So picture this. So they gathered formally in the temple, praising God, at least until they got kicked out. And notice it wasn't just one day a week or for many Christians today, two out of five weeks, out of five Sundays. No, they enjoyed gathering to praise God in larger groups in the temple. You want to come with me? Yeah, let's go together. And then they also gathered in informally in their homes. Here we read that they broke bread and, and they received their food with gladness. When it says breaking bread here, there's no definite article. So it seems to in, indicate that, it, that this wasn't communion so much as it was just like a shared family meal. They gathered in homes and shared a common meals together with glad and generous hearts full of praise towards God. Glad and joyful hearts that delight in God. This is what deep life-on-life life, committed discipleship community is what it does for God's people. Bellies full of food and hearts full of gratitude. And God gets the glory. But notice there's not four A's, there's five. Those first four really lead to the fifth. And yet many churches, they're satisfied with the first four. Full bellies, praising God. Look at the final verse. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. The fifth aspect is the advancement of the gospel. Look, Luke shows us that God is not satisfied with a fat, happy, inwardly facing church in Jerusalem, sitting around playing words with friends until Jesus comes back. No. Look, it is Jesus' plan that just as the gospel has come to you, it is to go to others. And when we are faithful to heed the call to be disciples who make disciples, don't be surprised when God, through you, causes new disciples to be made. Remember discipleship from last week? Discipleship makes you salty. Unlike the Pharisees who look down on sinners, a Christian is one who loves sinners and, and loves sinners how Jesus loves sinners. And with these open hearts and with the, the word of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, there is favor in this world full of unbelievers. Not that everyone will welcome you in the gospel message. Jesus said that you would be persecuted for his sake. But through us, through you, God will reach and save sinners. Do you believe that? I know you might not feel up to the task. That's one of the reasons why you need to be attached to a grace group. Not only will you be trained in evangelism, but you will be prayed for weekly. 
for you and for your list of people, your family and friends and co-workers that you are praying for. And you're going to be held accountable for, for how you're building bridges into your family and your friends and your co-workers. This is all good. But also know this. Whose work is this ultimately? It's the Lord's work. We read, it was the Lord who added to their number day by day. So understand this. Grace groups are about you, right? But grace groups are about something bigger than you, about the advancement of Christ in his kingdom. And so God wants to advance your spiritual growth so that his kingdom may advance on earth. Grace Church, I believe the Lord has people to add to our number People, he will say, because we've decided to be a church of disciples that makes disciples. We have to have grace groups, and not just for us, but for the people that God will save through us. You remember the baseball movie, Field of Dreams? Kevin Costner's character keeps hearing a voice in the cornfield saying, if you build it, he will come. If you build it. He will come. So he built a baseball field in the middle of the cornfield. And eventually the ghost of shoeless Joe Jackson and all the other banned um, Chicago White Sox baseball players that got banned from because of the 1919 World Series, they showed up to play on that field. Grace Church, I stand before you convinced that because we are being faithful to build discipleship communities, New disciples will come. The Lord is so delighted that we're finally focusing upon what every church should focus upon, discipleship. I'm sorry it's taken us so long to get here, but I hope you realize this just isn't my idea or the elders or the staff's idea. This is God's plan from the very beginning of his church. So, may we allow these five aspects that we've looked at this morning to, to be a pattern for, for living out our calling um, to be disciples, who make disciples, that our grace groups would be characterized by, by allegiance and amazement and attachment and adoration and advancement. Now, earlier I mentioned that there are three characteristics you must have if you are ever to even desire to enter into the discipleship community that Jesus calls you into, you must be faithful, available, and teachable. And what is the acronym for that? F-A-T, fat. Um, you know, this is one of only three times you ever want to be fat. <laughs> The other times, if you're interested, are um, if you're a sumo wrestler, it's good to be fat. Um, or if you fall overboard uh, without a life vest, it's the same thing. Faithful, available, teachable. Will you be faithful to heed Jesus' call to be a disciple who will in turn make disciples? Will you count the cost of discipleship? Because it's not easy. It is hard. You're being called to something that is challenging. But will you do that and determine that you must say yes and make yourself available? And will you be teachable? 
at least teachable enough to know that you need to become more teachable. Remember what Galilee said. When God determines the maturity of a church, he doesn't count the Christians. He weighs them. With regards to joining a grace group, are you fat? Grace Church, we're about to depart on a journey together. Though we're not physically leaving this location, we haven't sold the building, Uh, we are moving on. Today, the train is in the station. And so will you stay put or will you get on board? Let's pray. Father, we confess um, that our old sin nature still clings to us, especially in America with, with this rugged individualism. We, we think we're smart. We think we're kind. We think we've gone far enough in our Christian journey. Oh, we need to be taught, taught anew, taught again. Um, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to soften our hearts and our minds, cause us to be teachable, Help us to know that we need others in our lives, people we can journey with weekly, uh, people who care about us and people we will come to care about ourselves and, and as we pray together and worship together and serve together and grow together. You will mature us from inf- infants into faithful adults who are disciples who make disciples. We welcome this work of the Spirit in our lives and we trust that this will happen Uh, Through Jesus' name we pray, amen.